This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Welcome back. I'm America's Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School of Business. Of course, we are live. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio here at the magnificent institution we call Wharton. Here at Wharton, we invented the concept of the business school. We create the knowledge that they write about in their cases. We went to Wharton, and we saw you coming a mile away. Importantly, we are not only investment bankers. We are also consultants, strategists, entrepreneurs, real estate gurus, management leaders, and, of course, marketers, where marketing is the glue that connects each of these areas to their clients. If you like what you're hearing, Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is, of course, replayed several times throughout the week, I'm happy to welcome an old friend of the Wharton School. This is Steve Wansink. He is Associate Vice President of Braithwaite Communications. And, of course, he is a guru that will also bail you out. When your company, your brand, your organization, your service, your product screws up, you give Steve a call and you say, hey, please get us out of this mess. And he shows up and just solves problems. Yeah, after your first instinct, which is to take a buzz balls and yes. kind of drink your sorrows away, yes, then just, you can call us right, right after that. Yeah. Just after, after you just get drunk and just into oblivion, you can jump to Steve and his colleagues at Braithwaite Communications, and they're going to solve your problem for you. These guys have been doing this a long time, uh, in all seriousness, and it just seems like every single day uh, we are faced with some kind of strange brand crisis uh, Steve just can't even keep up with all of these messes <laughs> That's right. uh, that uh, folks are uh, stepping in. But welcome to the program, Steve. We're, Good to be here. Great, to, Always great to be here it, with you guys. We're so happy to have you here in the studio with us uh, live here. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about this notion of, of crisis. It's always going on. I yeah. Mean, you know, it, it's like, well, first of all, Alabama might have averted a major crisis uh, <laughs> in the news recently. Uh, but it just seems like products, brands, services, they're always like in trouble. Well, Something's going on. Tell it, us. I mean, talk to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things is we, we live in this uh, hyper-reactive mm-hmm. uh, environment. And with social media now, there are things that happen that are, are under a magnifying glass that, that never were before. Uh, and, and that's part of living in the digital age. So, you know, no company is immune and there really are no secrets. Uh, you know, if you have a cyber breach, it's going to get out. If you do something, you know, untowardly, chances are it's going to get out. I mean, we've seen private documents from companies that have been released. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, I, I think the lesson for brands and organizations is you just have to be prepared for, for crises to happen because they will happen. They might not be always huge and, and, and brand changing, but you have to have a plan. You have to be ready and you have to have an organization that can nimbly respond mm-hmm. when these crises happen. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that especially these large corporations face today is – you're talking about a demand from consumers where you have to respond in, you know, it's no longer hours, it's minutes, <laughs> it's, it's minutes, seconds. seconds. And uh, how do you set up a, a structure and an infrastructure that will allow you to do that quickly when you have these big, huge organizations that aren't necessarily used to moving that quickly? Totally. So it, it, your point, Steve, is a very important point. It, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And to your point, if you're, you should. This is absolutely, absolutely critical, listeners. If you're in a business, you should have already. His point, Steve's point, is this: you should have already analyzed what are the top ten possible things that are going to go wrong potentially, 
and be prepared. Now, of course, you don't want to, you know, fall into the trap of sort of rare event management. Correct. But let's say, for example, if you're a railroad uh, a company and you're moving uh, d- dangerous chemicals, you should probably have a plan <laughs> that says what would happen, right? <laughs> if this, if one of these uh, train cars, you know, uh, derails and this chemical gets spilled into the neighborhood, I should have a plan that, for that, right, Steve? That's a hundred percent correct. And what is constantly amazing to me is you have these companies where, you know, most often the most obvious crisis is the crisis that happens. So, you know, you look at, you know, financial services companies. Well, what are the top risks that you would think would be fraud, Mm -hmm. you know, sensitive information being released? Those are basically kind of the things that usually happen. And yet it seems as if there is a total lack of preparedness, Mm -hmm. even for these huge major publicly traded corporations Mm -hmm. to respond to these kinds of things. So, you know, if you're looking right now here, we're sitting at the end of 2017, you're thinking about these types of things for 2018. Get a plan, uh, <laughs> you know. Ha- and this is what we do with clients all the time. You know, you you probably know what the risks are. That doesn't mean you know how to respond. You know, mm-hmm. and and so to 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 work with a, a team, whether it's internally or externally, come up with what those risks are, and then have a plan to be able to respond. So when they happen, mm-hmm. you don't have to go through the the hierarchy and trying to make decisions. It's all right there in the plan, and people can follow it and and execute it, and and hopefully avoid you know the worst of what sometimes these crises can. Uh, uh, cause. This is absolutely incredible, uh, important point that Steve's making to our listeners out there because one of the things that Steve and his colleagues talk about all the time is that if you don't have a plan, here's what happens. You're suddenly in panic mode. Yep. And now you're trying to make decisions with high emotions. You're off the rails. You're unhinged. And now you're trying to make strategic, important decisions for your brand, your company, et cetera. And so Steve's point is like, listen, have the have the plan there ready to go to the plan and the plan can actually help alleviate some of the stress that you're probably you know inevitably going to feel, right? Crises are almost always emotional uh, things for especially the executives of companies that have mm-hmm. to deal with it. Your initial reaction is almost always, I, I just want to fight back. I want to, yes. you know, lash out. This <laughs> yes. is happening. Why is this happening? But yes. uh, and, and that is totally understandable. It's a perfectly human reaction. And, and we understand that. But if you have the plan, it does take some of the stress out of it. The other thing I would recommend is practice Mm. uh get that crisis team together get that whatever that key team is that you've put together that is, that is going to be executing on this and run through some tabletop sessions of those top two or three crises that you've identified mm-hmm. so that you can actually start to think through uh, you know, how are these things going to play out and, and what we often sit down with clients and do is we'll, we'll do role plays where oh. we kind of reveal uh, a crisis and then uh-huh. just as a real crisis would, would unfold uh, you know, we may change the scenario on you or oh, introduce that... a new piece of information Interesting. and force that team to then you know, think through those challenges and how they would respond to that. Interesting. And so the, the point there that, that Steve is making is that the simulation is critically important. Uh, I bet you I, you guys must have to have like lots of deodorant, <laughs> like ready, yes, yes. <laughs> because there must be a lot of sweating going on. But that's good though. It's like let me fail here under this controlled environment. That's let right. me learn from it. Let me go through those motions. And the next time when the thing is real and the cameras are on me and CNN and see uh, MSNBC and Fox and all these people are like looking at me, uh, I'm actually in a better position to be able to respond. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you can't you can have a plan, but you can't necessarily sim. And and we do our best to try and simulate the scenario. Nothing's going to be like the real thing but Mm -hmm. um you know 
crises happen every day, but most companies don't have a crisis every day. So, uh, <laughs> right. they, you know, luckily they are largely rare events for the most part for most companies. And so, uh, practice will, will help when those events actually come up. And you have teams that may not have gone through those experiences before to be able to draw on that mm-hmm. and, and make smart decisions. Mm-hmm. And so, part of what's going on here, Steve, is the idea that we have to have preparation. Uh, can you share with our listeners? Uh, the kind of the rules of Christ. You guys created these rules, yeah. basically, at Breakthrough Communications, and have validated them, and have yeah. do very deep dives into the literature to understand that these things are validated. What are the rules of crisis management? Yeah, uh, well, it, it's very simple, really. There's there's just three. It's validate concern, show action, and and then control the the narrative. And uh, you know, validate concern. It it's it's so critical, and yet in statements you see all the time people not being able to do that it it, it is yes. it is an act of contrition it yes. is apologizing it is acknowledging the mistakes that you as a company have made yes. uh, to bring this crisis about mm-hmm. um and uh just so many times what you see are these defensive uh, uh aggressive statements <laughs> that uh yes. make you feel better but don't necessarily help you with your with co- your consumer and then show action it, the, the apology isn't enough you actually have to do something about it so once you have made your initial statements, you've made the apology, what people want to know is, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix this problem, especially if you're a consumer brand? Right. Um, And... You know those answers aren't always easy, but you have to try and make an effort to do that, and and then be proactive. That's really what controlling the narrative is all about. You can't control everything in today's uh, world with yes. social media in this digital age, but you have to be able to be proactive and not sit back and wait for the media to come to you and say, "What else you got? What else you got?" Try yes. and stay, you know, a step ahead uh-huh. uh, of the curve and being. Think a step ahead so that that you can uh, minimize the damage. Very very cool, listeners. Please uh, take notes here. The three rules are validate concerns, show action, and control the narrative. Uh, hopefully Capitol Hill is listening uh, <laughs> on, on this very important point uh, that Steve is making. It's like it's it's not super complicated, but it takes diligence. It takes a kind of maturity, if you will, to be able to stick with those rules. And and by the way, uh, it's I would actually ask Steve this. He's not saying you necessarily have to apologize. Uh, Validating concerns is not saying, "Hey, I was wrong. I'm sorry." That, that's correct. That's it's, correct. It's different. It's saying, uh, "Tell us what it. Tell us what it actually means." Steve. Yeah, I mean, it 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 really just means you have to acknowledge that mm-hmm. someone was uh, affected by this. Yeah. So it it may not be, "Hey, we're we're sorry," because you know lawyers don't like it when you say you're sorry. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, it it does that's litigation it, costs, right? <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> but you do have to at least acknowledge that, uh, you know. Somebody was potentially hurt by this mm-hmm. uh, and and acknowledging that. And if it's a totally defensive statement that really focuses on yourself and not others that may have been affected by it, that's largely uh, often going to fall on deaf ears. Very, very cool stuff. Steve has got some for our, our listeners out there, uh, some case analyses he's yeah. been kind enough to bring uh, to the studio to uh, educate us. Uh, so class is in session here uh, <laughs> with uh, Steve Wansink. Uh, take us through some of these take, of these cases, these biggest this is holiday special. You know, this yeah. is we're recapping the years. This is the biggest blunders of 2017. Take us through some of the big highlights, yeah. the big teachable moments, if you will, that uh, Braithwaite Communications, you and your colleagues, uh, think are important. 
important for our listeners to understand. Yeah, I thought we'd go through kind of the top three, uh, what what we looked at and thought were kind of the three biggest crises of this this year and how uh, companies handled them. And the first one was Uber, uh, which is really – it's kind of like the never-ending crisis because yeah. it, they, they seem to have something – I mean they just had a cyber breach the other day yes. to add on top of everything that's happened with – uh, with their CEO, and I think you know, in in this case of Uber, th- this is a situation where uh, clearly, but basically, the CEO is a jackass. Yes, no? <laughs> yeah, yes. Is that, I don't want to use technical I, terms. No, but. I mean yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> and so there were some real structural problems there, and there's only so much that crisis response can do when you have these organizational uh, uh, issues. And so, uh, what I would say though is, if you had gone through a planning process, mm-hmm. or if you had thought more deeply about what are our potential exposures, and, and gone through that type of exercise, maybe some of these things would have been identified before they spiraled so uh, badly out of, out of control. Um, you know, the the response ultimately, they did some of the right things. Uh, they, they they fired their CEO which obviously they needed to do, and they hired a new one. Um, they had made some, uh, when, when there were some sexual harassment claims that came up, uh, they they really did make some efforts to do a full investigation into the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did some of the right things, but I think it was a situation where there were so many uh, issues that they were dealing with. Uh, you know, you go back a few years and the, the uh, gray app that they had developed that was like looking at what the police were doing yeah. and trying to avoid them. I mean, yeah. they just had so many organizational and structural problems. It was a really uh, tough one. But, you know, I, I think maybe they had gone through some of those exercises and planning beforehand. Some of these could have been identified and, mm-hmm. and caught before they became a, a real issue for mm-hmm. them. So, and, uh-huh. and so Uber is interesting because it is one of these. Do, do you Uber? Uh, I don't frequently. I okay. have in the past, okay. Okay. but but I don't very often. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of folks, uh, consumers that are saying, you know, ceteris paribus, all things being equal, you know, Uber and Lyft, yes. almost quite comparable. Uh, and these kinds of things actually make the difference. And so your point is yep. a very important point, which is, you know, if that plan's not in place and you're succumbing to these these things, some of them are little, some of them are big. It's like death by a thousand cuts. Right, right. Basically, right? Yeah, and I, I think I, there was a research uh, or a survey that was done after all this stuff started to go down with Uber, and it found that you know people were actually less likely to use the ride-sharing service. And I think you're seeing a lot more of that now where it's kind of this consumer activism where yeah. they are deciding we're not going to use that brand because we don't agree with their – views or issues on things. So that's a real liability that um, I think has always been there, but I, I think people feel more empowered. There's a greater sense of community around these decisions to say we collectively as a group of you know people on the internet are not going to use this product anymore and their voices yeah. are amplified. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that's a real concern, uh, especially for a brand like Uber when they have a, you know, they're, they're still a young company with a direct competitor that like yeah. you said, all things being equal, I'd rather go with the one that I feel a little bit better about using. Right. And so if, if Braithwaite so – talk talk us through what Braithwaite – Braithwaite would sort try to set these guys straight. Obviously, you have to have a jackass detector. <laughs> right, uh, exactly. <laughs> but but t- t- talk us through the process about how to how to fix these problems. Well, I think that, you know they're starting to do the right things. They've got a new CEO, and mm-hmm. I actually saw – uh, this was uh, a few weeks ago. They had some issues in London where they were trying to to get set up, and the new CEO actually did straight up apologize oh, for uh, the issues that they've had in the past and and what they've done wrong. Even though you know all of it almost predates her. Uh, but <laughs> oh, her, yes, oh, interesting. yes, yes. Interesting. So, so I think that that is the the right 
you know direction here uh, is is that they are they have a new CEO. They're trying to create. Uh, a new culture, and they're going to have to do some more things. I think, from an action standpoint, to mm-hmm. show that some of these issues have been resolved. Um, uh, obviously, you know the, the sexual harassment issues. They need to show uh, some proof that they're they're making real efforts on on fronts to educate their employees to make sure that these types of things don't happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can do that, then in, maybe in the long run they can overcome this. Um, so they're on the right track, but it's going to be a ro- long road back with some of the hits that they've taken in the last year. And there's a lot more than just you know the CEO. I mean. They they have issues with the federal investigations and lawsuits and it's a complicated a, a lot model. of other things that they're yeah. facing right now and th- all those other things get exacerbated they get amplified right. when you start screwing up in one domain and then the things where you w- maybe get a pass on suddenly now those are seen as much worse it's like oh my god you know here's another example of this right? uh, yeah that that's exactly right and I think that's part of what's happening. To them right now is it's a snowball effect. So I think you know one thing is they've got to try and eliminate all the issues internally and and not allow this to continue to grow. And you know they want to stay out of the news for a little while. I <laughs> yes, think, uh, yes. The way that their last year is gone. That's exactly right. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we've got the guru in the studio. Uh, super excited to have uh, Steve Wansink with us. He's the associate VP, vice president of Braithwaite Communications, uh, just solving problems. He's like Winston the Wolf from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> you know, you just got to hit this guy up on the beeper and basically say, hey, you know, listen, somebody died because they ate my burger or whatever. My train derailed or please help me. And these guys just show up and uh, solve problems and fix stuff. We're super excited to have him in the studio with us. If you're interested in joining the conversation, please feel free to do that. Uh, at one eight four four Wharton, that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Perhaps you have been in a brand crisis situation. You've had a reaction to a brand where you've stopped using that brand because of something stupid that they did. Uh, maybe you want to call in and tell us about that and get some advice from Steve on, you know, if you're building a brand, you know, how do you protect that equity? This is the problem, right, Steve? Because uh, this is the the issue is to say you can build, spend so much time building up all of this uh, good goodwill surplus and it goes away in a heartbeat because you make the wrong decision from a uh, crisis management perspective right yeah that that's exactly right and uh, you know we see it all the time and it does affect brands and it does affect their bottom line I think th- that's the big thing that uh, you know is very hard to see sitting in in the c-suite when you're asking someone to invest in a crisis plan or take the time to really mm. invest in that is well mm-hmm. I mean how how badly is this gonna hurt us but I think you can see plenty of instances I mean, look at uh, Toyota a couple of years Toyota, ago and what yes. happened to them. Uh, right. You know, there are lots of instances where companies are really affected and 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 damaged, uh, sometimes irreparably, from these types of issues. Chipotle, another one. There's Chipotle. Oh, CEO I totally forgot about that. Yeah, step down. So th- there have been instances in the last couple of years. <laughs> you can see it is affecting their bottom line. It's not just some you know hypothetical situation. Gotcha. And so what's interesting about it's how, to talk to us, Steve, a little bit about the idea of I guess consumer memory drops a little bit so you what you have working in your favor is that it's a 24-hour news cycle yes and from a marketing perspective there's just so much clutter so you know suddenly we can stop talking about russia and start talking about roy moore and then start talking about a tax bill a plan etc you know all of these things can happen uh that helps us but your point i think is really important which is that you know you got to have that plan in place you got to have those three rules sailing in your mind you got to have to have practiced these different things uh for the brands that are trying to make sure that you know, they don't step into these kinds of issues. Uh, what are some of the things that they should be kind of focused in on in terms of, you know, the issues that you would guide them through? Right. Well, and I, I don't think this isn't so much a it, it's kind of a, a defense against crisis is, you know, you you should 
be trying to build up your goodwill yeah. and and build some of that brand equity well mm-hmm. before these crises happen. Yeah, so it's you, like a bank account. Yes, no? that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. And if you look at the the companies that have overcome issues, in a lot of cases, they they did exactly that. They've, okay, they've built up uh, a bank of goodwill so that when bad things happen, yes. you know they're they're a little less likely likely to be hit by it. Gotcha. Um, and so you know all these things, corporate responsibility and and having a, a positive presence uh, with your consumers and communities and being seen as you know a brand that really takes their consumers' concerns and and needs seriously, I think is part of how you overcome some of these issues. I, I, I'll give you an example. Okay, great. Um, I mean this this wasn't. Uh, a it didn't affect consumers, but there was a negative story about a year and a half ago, maybe about Amazon and the internal culture there oh, and right. some of the issues yes, that they yes, had. Yes. Now, <laughs> Amazon's okay. Yeah, uh, and Jeff I, Bezos, <laughs> he's uh, going to have a good Christmas. <laughs> I think so. Uh. And and you know, and one of the reasons is you know Amazon's mission is to be the most customer centric company in the world, and I think from a consumer perspective, they live up to that. You know, I. I don't know about you, but was I been doing my Christmas shopping oh, this man, year? I don't want to see the There's, bill. The boxes are uh, listen, just sitting on my I, doorstep I when I get home every day. Dude, you're right. I, I just don't. I don't want to see how much I'm spending there. That's I, right. Just don't show it to me. Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, that's just a very good point. It's so, like being so focused. You know, to be he's building up this kind of thing. That's correct. What you're saying. That's correct. And so I think there's a company that has a bit of a bank where if mm-hmm. something were to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, they probably would be able to recover from it more quickly and and in a better way than a lot of other companies. Interesting. Other 2017 blunders. Steve. Yeah. So, uh, you know, number two for me is uh, United. Uh, <laughs> and you know, the, the lesson here is every internal document that you write that can be an external document. Uh, so <laughs> it's ne- a simple rule, no, ladies and gentlemen. Just just plan on it right. getting to you that, know CNBC, right. and they're going to put it out. <laughs> if if you don't want anybody to see what you've said, then don't write that. Write something else. Right? right. It's the uh-huh. old what your mom told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right. That's kind of what happened with United here. They gave a, a terse, not very well written statement initially when this guy was. If you'll recall, the guy was dragged off the airplane and his head got busted open and yes. they said, well, we reaccommodated some people on the flight. Um, Air quotes there. Yeah. So the, the statement initially wasn't very good, but I think where where they really got hurt was uh, he, you know, in an internal memo, he said the, the passenger was being belligerent and, yes. you know, that ultimately leaked out. And yes. then when the blaming vid- the victim. Right. And then when the video comes out and it looks like this guy has been basically assaulted <laughs> Off the airplane, uh, that doesn't turn out so well. So, you know, everything that you write uh, can and will be used against you in the court of public opinion. Yes. Um, And so I think especially when you're thinking about, okay, what are the messages we want to send to employees? Yes, you want to be supportive and and make sure that, that you have their back, but you also have to be conscious of you know, what happens if this message gets leaked or the media yeah. picks it up or, or it gets out there? Yes, and, but your point is also interesting, Steve, because the, the loyalists are looking for reasons to stay on board. So you don't you can protect that. I'm just going to use the, the, the terminology that's, that's sort of um, the terminology of the day, the base. Mm-hmm. You yeah. protect the base, they're not going anywhere. That's right. But there is this group of consumers where they're, they're just going to be pushed too far. And you better make sure that what you're doing is in alignment with what their values are. And that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's exactly right. And so, how do you how do you think about this from the perspective of like helping United recover from this kind of thing? What what should they do? Should they come on and say, "Hey, you know what? Free airline tickets for everybody"? <laughs> or is that is that kind of bogus marketing shtick? Or well, I mean, what should Un- they do? United's an interesting case because you know you only have so many real airlines. They're not in as a competitive of a market. Yes, it's a commodity, uh, right? Yeah, and yeah. so I think. 
But um, that's actually important because if it's a commodity and I'm choosing on price, essentially, yes, and I'm seeing, you know, here here is United and JetBlue and Southwest and Delta, and it's pretty much the same thing. And like, wait a minute, United, they, they beat people up, <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right? Right. I don't think I go with them. Well, right? and it, there was a, a uh, I think forty percent of millennials after that incident said they wouldn't use United. Oh, so now it the has millennials, they they're like morally they care about this. Yeah, stuff, right, right. They're like, okay. Now, now I took a look. I I thought maybe some things would have shown up on their last two quarterly reports. There haven't oh. hasn't really been a huge uh, impact uh, as of yet, but um, interesting. But that's because it's. I think your point, Steve, is that that's because you know it, it, they may be afforded that luxury because of the consumer decision making process right, and the emphasis right. on on price. You screw up in something else, like in your case with uh, Lyft versus Uber. It's like, hey, man. I'm going to go. Right. I'm jumping ship, right? Uh, they're probably also aided by, I don't think any airline has a great reputation. So <laughs> The bar not, is very low. It's not, it's not we are, exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the world's tallest midget. <laughs> right. And uh... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so it hasn't hit hit them as badly yet, but yeah. um, I, I do think, uh, you know, anything that they can do to improve the in-flight experience mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. is something I would consider because to your point – when it comes to the tickets, you know, the pricing is what it's going to be and you, people are going to look for the lowest fare. But, uh, you know, is there a way that you can improve that in-flight experience for passengers that um, may make them a little bit more likely to say, OK, I'll I'll give United another shot? Mm, interesting. Third case. Uh, third case is Equifax. Equifax. I mean, the biggest data breach in history. I mean, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Does anyone want my credit card information? Just there you go. Why not, please. Yeah. It, <laughs> what I mean, happened there? What a, a disaster. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't envy them because, you know, again, it's it you, you come into this situation where all this stuff has been hacked and it's out there. And, and what can you say to 156 million people that have had their information hacked? But wow. uh, I think where where they really made a huge mistake was they they put uh, what was probably at the time some legal considerations over the considerations of, you know, how consumers were going to be affected by this. They waited a long time to oh. actually report the breach. Gotcha. Which this is, is your point about seconds versus minutes versus exactly, weeks. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, when they did report it, if you're if you're going to take a long time to report it, you better make sure your response is right. <laughs> and uh, they yeah. did not do that. They they, they set up a poor website oh. that that had all kinds of flaws within it. Um, they had some legal language that in the agreement that you had to to uh, uh, sign to get the extended uh-huh. uh, uh, protection and and. Um, monitoring that said you maybe couldn't be part of a class action if you signed up Ooh, for that protection and please give up your rights to get any compensation or any reward right. so <laughs> sure uh, why not you know after and, you've and, reached my data and again this right? is something if you think about it uh, and this is this is a, a symptom of of the world that we live in you know uh, 20 30 years ago if they sent that out in the mail with you know 10 pages of fine print there's a pretty good chance you know that could have gone completely overlooked or missed and people might not have read it and the media might not have picked up on it and that that little clause in there might have slipped right through but now you've got you know it's going to take one person to put it out on twitter to say right. did you look at this you know oh. section of this contract oh right and right it's so, like crowdsourcing the lawyers that's right. that's right except none of them have any legal expertise that's right <laughs> they're just angry consumers with like you know devices and social media exactly well, that's so, interesting so really i mean you you've got to have all your you know t's crossed and i's dotted uh with with these responses and um yeah, so they, they set up a bad website. They put out a bad statement. They didn't really take a whole lot of responsibility for for what happened. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, c- comparative to the uh, 
size of the issue, mm-hmm. which is massive in, uh-huh. in scope, uh-huh. I, I think they've actually managed to fly under the radar yeah. for the last yeah. month or two. Yeah. Um, you know, I think part of that is they there probably haven't been too many cases yet of of actual uh, identity theft yes. or issues related to what happened. I think gotcha. if, if you start seeing more of that, we may hear this story kind of crop back yes. up. But, yes. um, you know, they, they've been able to kind of weather that initial storm and, mm-hmm. and fly into it. And then they, their stocks took a hit and they've got, you know, oh. two competitors that, that uh, you know, are kind of in a better position now. Gotcha. But, do, competitor, uh, do competitors take the opportunity to stand on your throat? <laughs> you I screw mean, up like this? Uh, sometimes, although I, I think in this, you know, there's really only three of them. It's it's Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Oh, so, okay. It, okay. you know, and it's a very... Um, you know, They're brothers in arms. Right. Well, it's, it's <laughs> we an, got a lot of money to make, guys. It's an odd so industry because the consumers don't ultimately have any uh, choice right. as to whether or not they have your information or which ones do. Um, and so that's the real challenge from a consumer perspective with a company like that is they're kind of more beholden to... Uh, their end customers, which are you know the banks and the lending companies and all these uh, uh, the car dealerships that access your credit information, the credit card companies, uh, to then see should we issue you this loan or whatever it may be. And so um, I don't know that they face the same kind of pressure. And there was a lot of public pressure on the government to uh, put some bills through Congress right after this has happened. And that's, uh, I was just oh. reading today, has all kind of died down and nothing has really okay. moved forward on that front. So they, so, were, they were able to potentially dodge a bullet yeah, a Yeah, we'll bit. see. I will we'll see. see. It could come Drew's back still. still but uh, uh, so far, they have, have managed to avoid some of those issues. Very, very cool. Listeners, uh, to, just to recap, validate concerns show action, and control the narrative. Steve Wansink, thank you so much for coming in the studio tonight. It's always a pleasure to have a friend of the Wharton School join us and give them, uh, give us our wisdom. It's great to be here. We appreciate sure. that. Uh, listeners, you can find out more about Steve at GoBraithwaite.com, G-O-B-R-A-I-T-H-W-A-I-T-E.com. You can also follow uh, Steve and his colleagues on Twitter at GoBraithwaite, at G-O-B-R-A-I-T-H-W-A-I-T-E. When we come back, class is in session. I'll be here taking your call, so get your questions ready. one wharton That's one 844 right after this on Marketing Matters Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM Channel 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 